We've got giant tablets, folding phones, and hell, maybe I'll even give out my recipe for slow-cooked beef chili in episode 547 of the Scene at UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. Joining me is, of course, Rich. Hello. How are you? Just, just one name, like Kylie. <laughs> I'm or, not going to go with or your... Prince. Or, or Satan. <laughs> that is actually my surname, yeah. Rich Satan. Rich yeah. Satan, yep. yeah. I mean, that's what I've always called you, but yep. largely for other reasons. <laughs> your your good, good, good to be here. It's very exciting. Good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thanks very well. Looking forward to talking about the uh, the foldable phone. But, oh. but before we get ahead of ourselves... Let's dive straight into... Um, I know last week we talked a lot about Apple and Samsung, and I said next week we won't talk about Apple and Samsung. Mm. So we are kicking off by talking about Apple followed by Samsung. I hope that's well, okay. I, well, let's face it. I mean, it's 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 quite rare that, that Apple and Samsung both sort of do something big. This is like proper, you know, big tech giants doing interesting things. And sometimes there's a long wait for, for these things to happen. I mean, if you like, we could talk about the new uh, Xiaomi phones. No, that's not. Um, Apple, yeah, I mean, Apple had their iPhone launch and yeah. then shortly after had their iPad and Mac launch. Both events, they had quite interesting products. So mm. that is why we are talking about them. Uh, and the iPad's twice. been quite neglected, I think, hasn't it? The iPad has been neglected um, for quite a while. Like, they've had very kind of incremental updates. and mm. But this time around, Apple are doing something quite interesting. So we have got the refresh of the iPad Pro coming yep. in two forms, 12.9 inch and 11 inch, but both are identical other than the size. It's not okay. like, um, um, yeah, you know, like you know, on some smartphones, you know, mm. you buy the smaller light version and what you actually get is light hardware. You get yeah. a pared down process, you get a crappy camera. One camera. This is, these are the same, the same hardware, mm. except one is as bigger, which is interesting. Yep. But basically, it's the iPad Pro, and this is the first time we've really seen Apple, I think, move towards the, what they think is the future of computing. These are, if you excuse my little burp, mm -hmm. um, these are proper competitors to the MacBook Pro. Okay. This isn't just for casual computing anymore. Ooh. These are high-end machines with the price to match. Now, I'll come on to the price, but yeah. overall, basically, these are, they're bigger, they're more powerful. We've got these narrow bezels, this... this refreshed design which looks a bit more pro in, in a way I suppose. <laughs> um, we've got face ID on them now instead yep. of having the fingerprint scanner so that screen stretches right to the edge you've got face unlock but without the notch so you get this full screen thing that those 3D and face you don't unlock get that on cameras. the phone no the phone has a notch mm, yeah because there's a little bit more room on the tablet to kind of hide those scanners basically around the edges mm -hmm. um, we've got USB-C instead of lightning which is interesting Ooh. but apple's ditching its own lightning standard after it, the first they made exactly it, the first honestly. it did make about lightning and again that that's incredible that, that's, it, that's huge it is huge but mm. it brings it in line with the macbook pro which i have here which these also charge over USB-C. there's no lightning on here wow. it brings them very much in line as as if not replacement products mm. very much um Synergis, 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 synergisms, synergisms, which is quite cool. They, you know, the downside is no, there's no headphone jack anymore. They got rid of that. Oh. Um, obviously, they have. Yeah. So but you, you can use your USB-C headphones from any other phone. You can suppose, also Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, mm. But these are really these are powerful. They talked a lot about how powerful these are for I mean, media. For you can do 4K video editing, multi-channel 4K video editing. Yeah, but you can't. 
you know. You can't type. Well, we type. do have the type cover, of course, like on other ones. Mm. But crucially, you know, the thing that really sticks out for me, and the reason I personally am so excited about these, mm. is the fact that these are the tablets on which we're going to see full Adobe Photoshop. Full versions of Adobe Photoshop. Right now, we've got what? like Photoshop Express and mm. we've got Lightroom, yep. both of which I do use on the iPad. And uh, I love using Lightroom um, on my tablet mm. on location because I don't That's have what to pull around. They do. They yeah. say Andy Hoyle, he loves Lightroom on the iPad. He really does. But what I don't have is Photoshop. If I need to do any in-depth Photoshop work on location, I have to take my whole MacBook with the charger, mm. and, and it's heavy. And I take that as well as my iPad. No, this, it's so heavy. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> that weighs quite a bit in, a, in a kit bag with, when I'm also carrying tens of thousands of pounds of photography equipment. Mm. Um, this... However, now I could use full fat Photoshop using touch controls, using the new Apple Pencil because they've updated the pencil. It now mm. magnetizes to the edge nice. and charges inductively, which is so much better than the stupid way of shoving it into the charging <laughs> port where it yeah. sticks out like a lollipop. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Which was bonkers. So these are really interesting and, and certainly, as I say, are, are very much aimed towards macbook pro users people who like mm. professional creatives like yeah. me i'm a professional photographer that's what i do for cnet as long as we're hosting this podcast and mm. annoying you <laughs> um i i do a lot of photography i'm glad you do something else I'm glad i do that just, too um it does seem to take up quite a bit of your time well most of my, most of my time <laughs> and that's which is kind of cool like do you think that you could work full-time on a on a tablet i don't know but i i, I know I, I know what you mean i can see that you're excited about photoshop but i mean i i'm i'm a huge comic book fan i like to draw and and uh, uh uh, procreate on the iPad Pro is something that, that comic artists have been talking about for a long time. There was when the first iPad Pro came along, and there were a lot of comic artists going, "Well, maybe I'll try it out." You know, it's not going to tempt me from my Wacom Cintiq. And then more and more of them were going, "This is incredible." And then people are starting to say, "Well, I've just done a whole page of." proper professional comics on yeah. Procreate on the iPad Pro. And that was before, you know, we've got this uh, e even more improved, uh, even more powerful version. So what about work it's generally? definitely maturing. Because you already navigate your Mac using a, you use a graphics tablet to do, navigate yeah. work, which is mm. normally something that is, as its name suggests, is mm. for graphics professionals. Yeah, yeah, I prefer that to a mouse. Um, yeah, I always have. Um, I, I, Why I don't is that, know. Do I think? I uh, it's, I just find it easier. I just find like using a graphics tablet is. I, I think it's because you kind of you can type and you can sort of pick up your. You, you know, you've got the the pen and the graphics tablet, and you're like touching on the tablet, and it just seems quicker and it seems more mobile. And rather than just kind of like moving the little movements with your hands and doing the little clicks with the mouse, I don't like using a mouse. I've never liked using a mouse, and I much prefer using a graphics tablet. What tablet is it you use? It's just like a Wacom Bamboo, one of the little fun like ones. Like the entry level. Yeah, the really basic ones, um, sort of like kid ones. So it's not like drawing on the screen or anything. No. Um, it's uh, it's drawing on the tablet. But uh, yeah, so I've never I've never really liked mouse mouses, but I so I can sort of see the iPad thing. But I don't know if it it, it feels like a sort of a, a, a psychological barrier more than anything else to sort of start using. Think that maybe the, could the be. I am thing. so excited. This for me, genuinely, without any kind of hyperbole, this mm. could be for me absolutely revolutionary this this because this wow. this would allow me i've done before when the first ipad pro came out i did mm. a i did a story for seeing it where I, I spent a week working on it doing mm. as much of my actual salaried job on mm. the ipad as i can and i could do 95 percent of it but it was when i got into kind of the deeper levels of of uh photo production that I started to realize, okay, I actually can't do this. It, it, at the time when it first came out, it wouldn't really work with raw files. Um, and certainly in terms of using layers in Photoshop, mm. um, there's no, there was no way of, of doing that. And now, and I was constantly, when they talked about, oh, Adobe full fat Photoshop on iPad, I thought, oh, okay, that's fine, but only probably, it's still probably only going to work for 
basic photo adjustments because mm. the demands of working with like very high res images if you've got 50 layers on the go and stuff is the ipad still going to cut it that's well the thing. at the demo I'm glad you asked at the demo I, exactly that is exactly what i was going towards mm. because at the demo um on stage they showed what looked like an insanely high resolution uh, high resolution mm. um sort of it looked like a merge between uh like 3d cgi and photography mm. and it was it looked like about 100 layers deep and the resolution was massive. They were going right in there making real-time adjustments. Mm. There's no lag, no delay. Everything on there is optimized completely to, to work on the iPad mm. and with that software. I use Lightroom on my Mac and I, like every other Lightroom user, I'm mm. constantly frustrated about how slow and laggy it is. It's bogged down. Switching between the library module and the develop module is like takes seconds and seconds and mm. things won't load into focus in quite the same way. Photoshop's better, but the idea of having that working so well on a completely touchscreen interface mm. that is optimized to work with that is incredible. That does sound cool, but uh, you know, one note of caution, can you trust the demo? Because you know what they might have done? Might have Photoshopped it. No, they might have Photoshopped the demo. They might well, have Photoshopped the Photoshop demo. You never the know. other downside with this, of course, is the price. And that is where it okay. becomes very clear that they are pitching this as a MacBook Pro alternative. Okay, because, I'm ready. Go on, hit me. So it starts, yep. the 12.9 starts. starts at 969, just under £1,000. But that is only with 64 gigabytes of storage. If you're using this for all? Pro work, you're going to be full of... You've got 100 layers on the go. Yeah, exactly. You need um, more than that. Like, I could not work with that at all. Mm. The one terabyte version, the top model, is £1,719, Wi-Fi only. Now, if you add then uh, the Apple Pencil, which, of course, is an expensive extra, and the keyboard case, which you would also probably need, and mm. 4G, that brings that total price to £2,187. We are firmly in MacBook Pro territory here. Yeah, very, very yeah. much so. I mean, I tell, I'm not defending that at all because that is an absolutely eye-watering amount of money. But, let, but it's got you've got to say, like... And the form factor of an iPad with a terabyte of storage in it, it and and running Photoshop and stuff. I mean, that's an impressive piece of engineering. It absolutely is. That's Whether it's I worth am, like you know th th three three months rent or whatever. There's no, there's no. That's only three months rent for you, man. You've got good rent. I was um, I was trying to I was trying to like you know sort of like connect with the plebs out in. Oh, in, who yeah, outside of yeah, London? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow, those guys. Mm. Um, rent. <laughs> I don't pay for rent. <laughs> There's no, there's, there's certainly no question of like, I'm, I'm not saying this is, so what, what I'm saying basically, this is no question of a lot of money. That mm. is 2,187 pounds is a lot of money, mm. but I'm not saying it's too much money. It actually, for what you're getting, mm. it seems like a, that's okay. You, you would pay, you would invest that much money in what would be a really good tool to work with mm. because as well, like going back to like, if you're, if you are a professional photographer working with a lot of clients. One of the things that this would allow you to do, having full Photoshop, if you go to a client meeting and you're showing the results of a photo shoot and the post-production that you've done on there, mm. instead of them sort of giving you notes on, yeah, we like that, but maybe you could have this and maybe we could sort of change the color balance on this and do this. You don't go away and then send them back this stuff. This is work that you can do live in real time with them. I mean, yeah, you could take your MacBook, but mm. but you can show them on this amazing screen. Like you don't that. want to be in a meeting with with some client poking and prodding at your photos that you. Uh, Unfortunately, you that is the reality for a lot of a lot of pros mm. in there, and I think that was actually a genuinely <laughs> good use case of what you could do. Absolutely, having yeah. the power to be able to do that very quickly and easily yeah. there and show people. 
I think that just makes the the iPad better than ever for well, what it. Fair enough. I mean, I think the key thing about the, about the price really is that uh, you know, like you say, this is MacBook Pro territory. For the first time, they've made a device that you can have instead of a MacBook Pro. Like up until now, the iPad has always been a thing that you have as well as your laptop. And in yeah. that case, two thousand quid for a, a laptop and two thousand quid for an iPad yeah. is, is is just crazy. But mm -hmm. if you're reaching the point where you don't buy the laptop, you just get the iPad. Yeah. Then it's also then you your know. media consumption device in an evening. Mm. It's your TV if you're in a hotel and stuff, yeah. and you know, it's great. So actually, if you work it out in those terms, it's not that expensive. And of course, you don't have to have the one terabyte one. There is a 512 gig one, which makes it a little bit more affordable. Mm. But for me, like it, it's definitely really exciting, but, but so much of my excitement really does boil down to Photoshop. Mm. It's down to Adobe's app rather than the iPad itself. The iPad is just the vehicle for that, as it is for anything. But mm. really, for me, it's about that Photoshop. And I don't right. think that's going to be on. It will be available on other iPads. How well it runs, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's going to be coming out on Android on Android tablets. Because well, that's it. I mean, what about Android tablets? Like they've always been the the poor relation, haven't they? Really? They have, and that is and that is still very much the case. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot less excitement around them. Samsung still does have some, and uh, crucially, Google um, launched at when it launched the Pixel Three. It launched the Google Pixel Slate, mm -hmm. which is effectively their answer to the iPad Pro. It is it's not Android, it's actually Chrome OS okay. rather than Android, so yep. it is different. Uh, it makes it basically more of a of a office tool mm. in many ways. It, it's kind of geared towards, you know, using Chrome, using Google Docs, that sort yep. of thing. And in which case like they have versions going from like a basic Intel Celeron processor, which I think starts at um I'm not sure about, I think 500 pounds-ish, okay. going through to a, a very powerful Intel Core i7 processor with eight gig of RAM or 16, mm. I think, and that's like 1,500 pounds, a okay. lot more expensive. Yeah. And a lot of people said like, well, what's the, given it's Chrome OS and it, those very intense apps like Photoshop are not available on there, mm. what's the point of having um, such high powered hardware if it's basically a consumption device for youtube and google docs mm. then the basic tablet will do that perfectly sure. well which is an argument i see i have not used the pixel slate crucially i'm getting one on monday or tuesday next week i think mm. and i'm really looking forward to seeing how that we should revisit this yeah i'm going to be revisiting this i'm going to use it hopefully i'm going to be using both for at least a week at a time mm. exclusively and i'm going to be able to kind of talk about what actually it is like to work because I do a bit of everything from word processing, writing stories, mm. the photo production, a little bit of video here and there. Although mm. our extra talented producer behind the camera over there is the one who <laughs> you'll really see doing the video work. So, but I think you will never see him. You will never see him do no, anything unless he wants to walk into frame now, which you're welcome <laughs> to do, Jay. If you particularly like, give him a wave. But um, it's a good. I think I, I think I could give them a good. Uh, workout generally, you know, I sure. do a lot yep. of different things, and, mm. um, and you need, I mean, you need to do some spreadsheets and stuff just to, you know, uh, pretend oh, like you're an accountant or something. Spreadsheets. Like that. I'm yeah. not going to work on the Henderson account, Rich. <laughs> it's almost. I need the those figures on my desk by uh, the end of the day. Otherwise, uh, you, you need we're them all by fired. yesterday, Rich. I need them by yesterday. You need them by yesterday. Yeah. Um, of course, it wasn't just the iPad that Apple has been talking about, though. Yep. They, we also had some long overdue updates to the MacBook Air. Now, the mm. MacBook Air has really been the forgotten child of Apple for. Uh, several years now, I think they've mm. had at best a couple of like basic processor upgrades when Intel launched. Pretty good ones. though, weren't they? I mean, that's the thing about the MacBook Air. It's just pretty. It's a lightweight laptop that just. I mean, this this one right here, right? Now I've had this for a yeah, while. This had, is fantastic. You use it really well, and mm. and it is. But the problem is that Apple has been kind of like upgrading the models on either side. So since the uh, MacBook Air launched, it also then launched the MacBook. You know, mm. the, the standard, very very thin and light mm. one 
which for people who just do, you know, like office work, word mm. processing, web browsing, that sort of thing, that the MacBook is brilliant for that. And then if you want to do more, people go for the MacBook Pro, which is why the Air has kind of fallen into this mm. middle ground, the middle child, the right. forgotten middle child that yeah. hasn't really had the love and attention. But Apple has sort of come in now and it's it's beefed up the processors, of course, and it's thrown in a, a retina display with, with narrower bezels, which again, the retina display has been out in Macs for so long and the MacBook Air is only just getting it now. Mm. Um, and also fingerprint unlock. So it's... I it's, do like that. That's that, that's pretty cool. I, 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 yeah. I love using it on 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 my Pro, but it, mm. it's it is it just seems a little bit like yeah, we're giving it the basic upgrades that it needs. It still mm. kind of seems like the MacBook Air isn't really a priority for Apple. It's just sure. it's bringing it kicking and screaming into today's market. Mm. But I don't really think it's much of a priority. It's very clear where their emphasis is, and that's in the iPad. Mm. Even the iPad, even the MacBook Pro doesn't really seem to be like. A huge deal for Apple. Its mm. innovation is going into the into the iPad. So I'm so excited to see what happens there. Oh, also um, the Mac Mini, which is even more forgotten about than the Air. Wow, I'd even forgotten that was a thing. Yeah. Actually, I tried. I thought about getting one of those recently, and I looked, and they're still really expensive for something that's so out of date. Yeah, for something that is, you know, it's a desktop. You can't take it with you. You can't. Mm. It, it stays at your TV. Mm. Uh, your your monitor rather yeah yeah they are quite expensive and they still they still are the the new one it, it, they start at one thousand and ninety nine pounds I mean that's not very mini is it no it's not very mini I and I and I I kind of think that's a mistake I think they would do really well in having a really stripped back version which is about four hundred quid yeah that's that's what I wanted I mean that was what yeah, I was looking for yeah something that gives you kind of Mac OS you mm. can use iCloud and do the essentials. And is is a lot less than a grand because mm. if you're spending that much, and again, you probably you've probably got some more demanding needs. Yeah. That said, they've packed them with new processors, better, faster RAM, mm. and I think there's I'm not sure if there's discrete graphics in there, but either way, graphics capable enough mm. to handle some games and photo and video production. So okay. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a Mac Mini in, give it to our producer. See what you make of it. He's not he's not looking happy about it. No, he's giving us the kill it, kill it yeah. sign. Um, uh, see how that goes. But cool. Well, so that's Apple. That's some interesting new stuff from Apple. Yeah. Yes. Mm. I think we should move on to Samsung. Sure. What's Samsung been up to? Well, Samsung has yet again shown off a foldable phone, mm. Rich. A phone that actually that has a folds. foldable display that can fold up. I'm doing wow. the folding hands. Is it, is it like a Nintendo DS? It's almost like a Nintendo DS or maybe like a Bible, uh, except yeah. that the screen actually... Other books are available. Other books are available. Yeah, the Argos catalogue, for example. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, so the, the DS has two screens mm. with joined with a hinge, whereas mm. this is one screen that folds up. Is it, though? Isn't it two screens? Or is there, is there a second screen on the outside? The second screen on the outside. Right, got it. Okay. So what happens is, basically, this the idea is that this... It, when it's closed, you use the outside screen to see basic information. It works kind of Just like, like your normal phone. smartphone yeah. would, exactly. Mm. But when you want it to be, when you want when you want a tablet, mm. you open it up, and inside is a bigger display. See, that's you, pretty cool. It is a really cool idea, and we've seen concepts from Samsung since uh, I think 2013, 2012, maybe mm. when they first started showing these things off in CES. Yeah, and we've seen concepts from LG and various other companies where, oh yeah, we've got these flexible screens. So like, we know the tech is there, mm. but it's never really come to anything. But Samsung has actually said this is real, and uh, according to Justin Dennison, who is I'm reading this now. Samsung Senior Vice President of Mobile Marketing said it will be mass-produced in the coming months. And that's, 
Well, that's pretty interesting because these have just been proof of concepts and mm. nothing more. Um, and and the demo that they showed was also like kind of like someone standing in the dark uh, with a case on the thing. I mean, did people actually get their hands on this? No. Thing so as far as I know, no, no one's yeah. really kind of done anything. It's very much what we dubious. what we saw is the proof of concept. Mm. It is still not the finished phone, but we know a lot more about it, and we do know that it's coming. So DJ Co, who's CEO of Samsung's mobile business, actually told us in an interview last month. Mm that you'll be able to use the device as a tablet with multitasking capability before being able to fold it up into a more portable phone. Now, we saw at, the, at Samsung's event this week, we saw a demo of uh, Flipboard, which is like mm. the news sort of magazine-style news yep. app. You see on the outside of the phone the basic quick access panels, so, you know, for like quick news and that sort of thing. And then you fold it out and you get the full magazine-style Flipboard experience. Mm. That's a really good idea. I think that's really interesting. But, like, do you think it's a gimmick? Uh, I don't think it's a gimmick. I mean, I, one thing about that is that uh, is, is that whenever we go down these kind of like uh, alternative form factor routes, there's always going to be a time when there are apps that just don't work. Yeah. Because you know the, the app makers. The, the great thing about you know, for, for example, uh, iOS or you know some versions of Android is the great thing about that is that uh, uh, app developers just make one version of the app and yeah. it just works on on every device. Yeah. And it's when you start getting like different form factors and stuff that they've got to start making two versions yeah. of the app. And like, are they going to bother? Making making a version for an app if Samsung's only sold three and a half of these And phones. that's always in the case with and Samsung so. and Android at large, that yeah. whole fragmentation issue exactly. where you've got to optimize one app for screens that can vary from 4.5 to mm. 8 inches or more. Exactly, right? yeah. Which is very difficult. Um, Again, but no, I don't think it's a gimmick though. I think generally it's a great idea. It's obviously, I think it's going to happen, and it's clearly. I mean, like the the benefits are obvious of being able to fold your phone up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm going to call it right now. I say, you know, digital tablecloth. You know, you pull out you pull out your phone and you like you're looking yeah. at your email and stuff, and then you go, you know what? I want to uh, watch a movie or something, and you just like throw it out, and it goes straight over the table, and you've got the whole table sized thing, and you and you just you watch your movie on the on the table. That would That's, be good. Yeah. Um, Get so on again, the CEO said that uh, this excuse me, will not be a gimmick product um, that would disappear after six to nine months after it's delivered. I mean, he says that, like, how do, how, what about the, I mean, the Edge was their kind of previous uh, sort of attempt at doing something a bit different, and everyone was excited about, you know, phones with uh, with curved edges, and... But they're still here. It's still, We yeah. still have them. Every, all of Samsung's current phones have them. Most high-end Android phones, the mm. Huawei uh, Mate 20 Pro that I've just mm. got, um, they're all doing, they've all got, maybe... Maybe the edges aren't active like Samsung's. You know, Samsung actually has software that takes advantage of that edge. Sure. But most of them do have that rounded as a design trend at the very mm. least. Those rounded edges of the screen are still there. Mm. But Samsung has been very big on gimmicks in the past. Like we have had, they've done like curved banana phones when, you know, when curved phones seem like yeah, everything. Yeah, you could they've press had the 3D phones. They've had the camera phones. Like we've had the Samsung Galaxy camera or the K Zoom mm. where they're like, oh, people want a really good camera. So why don't we basically get one of our actual compact digital cameras, which is massive, mm. and sort of give it basic Android functionality? An, an idea that in theory is kind of cool, but in reality is you don't want to carry around this gigantic camera as your phone all the time. And so Samsung mm. has very much been known to throw out the gimmicks and, and, <laughs> and see what lands, see what works in a way that Apple never has mud done. at the wall. Something's going to stick. Something will stick. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of why App Samsung has very often been the, sort of the antithesis of Apple. Apple mm. will do the one product and it will do it well. Samsung yep. is a little bit more scattergun. It will try these concepts. It will put them out. It will. It's been very often known to launch things only in certain markets. Sometimes mm. only in, in South Korea, its home market. See what the market mm. says. 
and then give it a go. And that's kind of the issue that it has with this because you talked about like developers, like, well, I'll develop, this is something that's going to rely on developers getting on board and making apps, making software that's going to take advantage of it. Mm. But are they going to be keen if this is something that Samsung kind of ditches after a year, after, right. after its first cycle? Are we going to have a Samsung foldy phone two and, mm. a, and a two S and whatever? I think that what they've got to be careful about is uh, is if they're the first ones in. They, I mean, it's all to play for because this is a brand new market. If they're the first ones in, then they might clean up the market. I mean, you could argue that that's kind of what Apple did with the iPad. Like, yeah. I suppose there were tablets before that, but they were the first, first kind of major one that captured the market. And I think mm -hmm. Samsung probably want to be doing the same. But uh, they, they, they don't want to go in too early. I feel like 3D was kind of undercooked when that started. Very much so. 3D TVs, 3D phones, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of people went in early and went in hard and took a bit of a bath on the whole thing. And yeah. uh, Samsung included. Be, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Samsung's got to be careful. I mean, I think when this does happen, it's going to be really cool. But yeah. it could be that it's a few generations away yet. Yeah, we'll I'm not sure it's going to be necessarily be there because mm. we, I mean, we we called the Note a gimmick when that first launched. Oh, this massive phone, it's half phone, half tablet. Mm. How ridiculous. And that's kind of laughable looking back now. It's mm. kind of a success and of, of the Note line and how all phones are bigger even yeah. than notice now mm. so that is what you know a, a gimmick of theirs which it stuck that one mm. that you know they threw the mode at the wall and that time it did stick yeah it may well be that this is the case um so as i say we what we saw isn't the final version what we've heard about it's gonna presumably have some refinements hopefully to like the industrial design because it looked a little bit blocky it looked almost like it was in a test case basically mm. um it's quite possible then that we will see something at ces in january or okay. possibly even at mobile world congress in february fingers crossed now, the thing is, I think it's going to be interesting about that timing, though, is that MWC in February or around that time is when Samsung launches its flagship S series, like the S9 and yep. stuff. This year, we're due to have the S10. Now, that should be a bit of a milestone phone for Samsung, particularly when uh, the, pre you know, the previous S9 and S8 have been kind of They've done fine. They've done okay. They have not been big sellers for Samsung because mm. people aren't really excited about some of the stuff that Samsung's doing. So I think it's been really interesting to see whether they launch an S10, which is a, a generally just very good high-end phone, mm. and they launch a fold foldable phone in the same rough time period, mm. running the risk of overshadowing the excitement of the S9, or mm. the, sorry, overshadowing the S10, the S10 yeah. mm. or the S10 is the folding phone, and they go all in on the new tech and the their, and their new mass-produced flagship phone is this new foldable sure. thing because that that would be you know that's, that, that, that's that, a hell that, of a that, gamble. that is playing that is all in in poker isn't it that that's, is yeah. all your chips mm. playing them all at once no powder is dry yeah everything in big you've got rip, to know when to hold them and know when to fold them absolutely oh rich you're good i'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you're on the podcast because you're so much better at words than i am um so I think that's going to be a really interesting time period. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. I think Samsung could end up, if it if it goes the two-phone option, mm. uh, then it could end up stealing a lot of excitement from its own flagship, mm. um, which may not be something it wants to do. Oh, we'll check back in the new year. Yes, absolutely. So I think that's probably enough of uh, phones and tech um, for a little while. So mm. I think we should move on to... What else have you been up to, you partner? Well, I'm glad you said it in such a lovely way, because last episode mm. I was, if you remember, gearing up for Red Dead Redemption 2. Right, yeah. Now, I had planned this lovely weekend, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, Rich, because sure. I'm going to set the scene. So I had booked Friday and Monday off work officially. Mm -hmm. 
And so I had a good four days of playing Red Dead Redemption Solid, 2. Yep. I'd set up my house. I'd bought in American beers, mm -hmm. Goose Island IPAs, because they're the only ones I could find that were actually made in the US in mm -hmm. Morrison's. I had slow cooked a beef chili, 12-hour slow cook. Wow. Oh, my God, it was so good. I also made cornbread, which is apparently quite traditional to have with a chili. Sure. I was delicious. Um, and yeah, I sat down and I played the game. And mm. I've never played Red Dead Redemption before. I didn't play the first one. And I'd heard a lot about it. And I'd been told I'd really like it. Because I like Grand Theft Auto V, which is the same producers. Mm -hmm. And I really like that game. I love the story, the plot. I love how the game kind of pans out. Mm. So I was really excited to go all in on Red Dead 2. It's okay. apparently like an insane... Uh, milestone in gaming of like the technical achievements that they've done and mm. I found out for myself that that is true it is yeah. so this is a, a, a video game set in a western world it's an open world yep uh, storyline wise mm. it's a prequel to Red Dead 1 it is it, it comes before John Marston does all these stuff um, and it but it is still it's set in the same world it is the old west of America kind of as the old west is coming to an end mm. um, and you know modern America as we know it is sort of starting to yep. to, to take hold um, so it is it the, the storyline is interesting I'm not going to give any spoilers but it's an interesting gripping storyline I've really enjoyed playing through it. I'm nowhere near finished mm. but it's all the aside stuff that just makes this game immense and even if you're not fancying doing the, the storyline there are so many other side quests so many other things you can do you can just bugger off and go fishing you can look after your horse mm -hmm. it is the world itself is absolutely enormous it takes ages to get around because it's so big mm. like genuinely you know you can just spend half an hour trying to get to your next mission that sounds absolutely terrible <laughs> uh, that just why why would you want to do it can you fast forward no. can you can you make your horse there go is faster? there is, your horse can go reasonably fast and there are sort of fast travel options you can take trains and, mm. and stuff but um for the most part, like it's just really so you have to commute. This is a video game where you you know you 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 relax. You you take a few days off work to relax and enjoy some mindless violence. And what do you end up doing? You end up commuting. I don't feel and, like you're and, getting and it. having to eat and find food and skin animals. And it's just it's just work. How is it different it's to work? Not, it's it's escapism because you're working in this amazingly produced landscape. It's okay. beautiful. It is already a stunning part of the world. That whole area, anyway, and it is it is so well rendered. And it's pushing the graphics capabilities beyond what we currently have. Mm. And so really, it does just look stunning. Everything about it, and again, the storyline, the voice acting, the just the dynamics within the game, everything you do, you know, even down to things that seem daft, like when if you're if you accidentally kill your horse, mm. it's dead. It's permanently dead. It's not like, oh, you've been working on building up this horse's stats and it's bond with you and all this stuff. Mm. So, you know, if 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 it accidentally falls off a cliff and dies, go to the stable and it'll be there waiting for you. No, it's dead. Mm. It is fully dead. And like that, it really does change things for you. Because when the first time that happened, I didn't realize that would be the case. And so when I then got a new horse that, again, I had to buy, start from scratch to build up, like mm. it really starts to mean something to you. You really feel committed okay. to what it is you're doing and you're and you're more careful. Like Everything matters. Mm. It's, really, it, it's just That's really cool. well done. The, the reviews across the board have been stellar. Like it, it mm. was his five stars. Well, that, I mean, that's funny you say that because the, the only thing I've really seen uh, from not being much of a gamer, I just I just kind of picked up on, on Twitter a lot of videos of horses running into things. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, that's just horses horse. running into other horses. Yeah. Horses running into rocks. Yeah, trees. Horses running off cliffs. Well, my, yeah, mine ran off a cliff and, uh, <laughs> with, with me on it. And I, I was unscathed. My horse was not. 
Um, you so, were unscathed when you fell off a cliff. Yeah, no. Well, I think I, I think maybe I landed on the horse. <laughs> the horse really took the brunt of that of that fall, and, and I, now yeah. that horse is dead for good. That I horse, hope you're yeah, happy that, with yourself. Yeah, but I replaced you that horse, horse with uh, Mary Cloppins. <laughs> um, so I've got Ma- Mary Cloppins as my, and also it's, Mary Cloppins. To be fair, is a better horse because. I got this. I got my new horse later in the game where I had access to better quality stables. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it actually came at a time when I wanted to upgrade anyway. Mm. And uh, now when I walk around, loads of people compliment my horse in the street. We're like, "What a fine old nag!" <laughs> and that sort of thing. And it's kind of like in Grand Theft Auto. Whereas if you when you, when you get like a Lambo or something or yeah. the equivalent, mm. you drive it around, someone will say like, "Cool car" or something. It's so the it's, Lambo of horses. It is the Lambo of horses. It is a supercar of horses, and I'm really glad to be on it. And you can drift the horse. Really? Yeah, you can actually drift the horse. So there you go. There's Red Dead. That's kind of like a little bit, you know, of an overview. It's not a full review because we don't review games, but it does. I mean, it looks great. So I think I said last time, like I, mm. I play. I've got a, a cello. Um, it's a 4K uh, HDR OLED TV. Mm. So like it, which is fully enabled to play that game because it's 4K enabled, it's HDR enabled, and it just looks stunning on mm. that TV. It it just looks amazing. So. It is worth, if you have never played one before or if you have done, play it. If you've got the right TV and you, know, you can really enjoy mm. all those details, then then do because it's superb. And if you are a fan of games, then check out gamespot.com, our uh, sister site. I'm, I'm not a huge gaming guy, but I do love Westerns. Uh, so I was kind of excited by this, but then I heard the business about you have to ride your horse everywhere. And it takes you ages to get places, so I'm, I'm kind of less. Yeah, it, it's slow. It's it's slow paced in that in that sense. There's a lot of time spent between things, um, and that has actually put a lot of people off. But mm. it does kind of work because again, it feels like you're really part of that world. You, you have you have the good. The West. It's not just constant. You have the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> With a fistful of, uh, of of dead horses. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, like I say, I'm a big fan of westerns, so I'm quite excited to see uh, westerns being, uh, you know, kind of having having their moment in the spotlight. That's 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 pretty cool. Yeah. Deadwood, it, it, they're making a movie of Deadwood. Are they? Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, that's just started filming. Um, cool. Ballad of Buster Scruggs will be on Netflix next week. That's the new Coen Brothers movie. That's uh, a western anthology. Yeah. Which is kind of fun, very lightweight, very frothy, but it's but it's fun. So, is yeah, yeah. Boardwalk Empire at all westerny, or is it in that era? No, no, that's in the that's in the 20s oh it's like prohibition era prohibition era yeah yeah. okay Mm -hmm. i've I've never seen it which is now plainly clear it's i mean it's very good it's kind of from a similar people who worked on deadwood it is very very good but it's not it's not western would you recommend i watch it very much so i love border camp yeah i'm gonna give it a go yeah excellent all right cool uh well uh yeah look out for uh, look out for ballad of buster scruggs next week as well yeah Um, while we're on topics of me actually having watched things because normally as regular listeners will know Mm. i haven't really watched any Anything. TV or films, but I have been binge watching uh, Gotham. Cool, which is great. Mm. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> Excellent. Very I know I'm really late to it, so you know it's not like I'm. Oh, I found this little thing that you may not have heard of. I know it's a big deal, and I know I'm very late, but mm. it's good, and I'm enjoying it. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a lot of fun, Gotham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another another show, another TV show that uh, that is uh, that I'm a big fan of is Star Trek Discovery. Um, mm. Now the first season was uh, earlier in the year, and the second season uh, starts in January. Okay, um, but in between. Uh, they are doing these things called short treks, which are little kind of online mini episodes. Like a little hike. Little, a little hike, yeah. A little hike through the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Through, a little hike through space. Uh, a little 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 sojourn to the final frontier. <laughs> um, 
The uh, that unfortunately you can't see that in Europe. They're working on getting these into uh, other places. If you're in the US or Canada, you can see it on CBS All Access, which is CBS's uh, streaming service. Uh, CBS you can't is CNET's parent company. You can't. No, you can see Star Trek Discovery on Netflix everywhere in the world, which is uh, lovely. Um, but not but, in the UK. But you can't see the short treks. What are on... they doing? Before I criticise too much, again, mm. my our parent company, <laughs> I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to be honest and say that is bonkers. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it is frustrating for Star Trek fans. I mean, the thing is, so far they're they're kind of like they're little mini episodes. They're kind of like little asides. The most recent one though is kind of interesting. The reason I brought this up is uh, it's um, it's set on the Discovery, but the Discovery has been abandoned mysteriously, and we don't know why. The crew is missing, and the Discovery's computer is just holding the ship there in space, waiting. And a new character comes along and has a little adventure on the Discovery. And I believe and there are two people. There are two who people who just wake up on on this. this there's, there's one person who wakes up, and then there's also the ship's computer. Is that not? Mm. Now I haven't seen this film, mm. but is that not um, not Interstellar? Maybe Interstellar, the one with Chris Pratt. Passengers. Passengers. Is that uh, not? Is that not passengers? It's, it, well, it's certainly to have someone wake up on, alone on a ship is kind of a, uh, a sci-fi trope. Certainly, oh, it's okay. the sort of thing you might see in Red Dwarf, and you might see it in Passengers and stuff like that. And this is kind of a, a track taken it. But the reason it's interesting, uh, the reason we think it's interesting anyway, is because it was written by the best-selling author Michael Shabon, who uh, is the guy who wrote. Uh, the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay and Wonder Boys and the Yiddish Policeman's Union and lots of other uh, very heavyweight literary uh, novels. And he's kind I'm of... nodding uh, like I know. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's a big champion of uh, genre fiction. He's, he's kind of into sci-fi and horror and comics and that kind of thing. And he, he's kind of more and more writing uh, short stories and novels that have kind of become more and more sci-fi as, he's, as his career has kind of progressed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now he is in the writer's room of a new TV show being developed uh, in the Star Trek universe, which will feature the return of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Oh. Uh, to be played once again by Patrick Stewart. And they're That's developing cool. that at the moment. Yeah. I'm not doing like a, an earlier version like they did with some of the Star Trek films where they get like young... Mm. They're, uh, they're not, Kirk. no. I mean, I think that would be quite cool. I'd love to see Tom Hardy come back and play Captain Picard again. He played like a clone of Captain Picard in one of the movies, which oh, okay. was pretty cool. Um, he, he might be, I don't know, I think he might be a bit, maybe he's a bit kind of out of their price range now, I don't know. But um, but yeah, Patrick Stewart's back and uh, Michael Shabon is working on it and he also wrote this short episode. But it was, uh, I had an interesting chat with him about uh, Star Trek and why Star Trek is relevant nowadays and how much fun he had nerding out. So we're going to listen to a little clip of that now. I think any Star Trek writer, any writing um, boom on any Star Trek show in the history of Star Trek, maybe after, let's say after the original series, um, had a responsibility, and ours does too, to um, to consider uh, canon, to um, to be aware of canon, to know your canon, um, to um, on to to feel a sense of responsibility to it. Um, you know, all of those things for me, and it's probably true for a lot of writers who worked on Star Trek over the years, I mean, but just speaking for me, like that's all incredible pleasure for me. You okay. know, to 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 sort of have like a legitimate excuse and get paid to nerd out completely <laughs> about like, you know, the um the 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 breach the breach of the treaty between the Federation and the Romulans in twenty two thirty five or whatever it is, you know, like the the um to to have to, um, um, like, you know, to have to know, to to have to master the lore of Star Trek in order to, to do your job is like, that's like, that's one of the reasons I want to do it. Right. Um, that's one of the pleasures I get out of doing it. But at the same time, and I think this has been true in the history of Star Trek um, from the, when, from the moment the next generation um, came on the air, you know, it, 
and this is true when you're dealing with any kind of canon, this is true of um, you know, any kind of fan fiction as well, is there are always holes, there are always gaps, there are cracks, there are contradictions, there are things that got left out, there are mysteries that we never got to hear the explanation of. People allude to things um, in, in canon and that don't give any further explanations. I mean, maybe the greatest example in all canon ever is um, the giant rat of Sumatra from um, Sherlock Holmes, you know, there's this allusion to this case of the giant rat of Sumatra and it's in one of the stories and fans and writers ever since have like tried to come up with, you know, possible explanations for that. And so you, you, you don't just, I think it's important not just to view canon as the, the barriers, as a wall, as a, as a perimeter beyond which you can't go or as a kind of grid that you are sort of trapped on. It's also you try to find your way around it. You try to find the loopholes. You find the empty areas. You find the, the things where canon doesn't seem to have anything to say, um, and you and you say it. Okay. And if you're really lucky and you get to be working on a Star Trek show, then what you say becomes canon itself. I, but, and that must be quite exciting for them because Star Trek is one of those genres, one of those well, not genres, one of those um, properties that mm. that fluctuates massively. Um, sort of depending on what it is that you're seeing, and mm. I mean, there's the this the spaced joke that every odd numbered Star Trek movie <laughs> is uh, is is bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it must be quite exciting to have someone who's of such high esteem in the mm. literary world actually being part of that that writing process. Mm. Um, I think definitely, and there's always been something uh, kind of quite high minded about Star Trek. I would say. I mean, uh, uh, the, you know, Michael Shabon he made in this interview, which is online, you can read it now uh, if you just search uh, CNET for Star Trek Discovery or Michael Shabon. Um, and uh, he made the excellent point that Star Trek has always been about tolerance and egalitarianism and a sort of utopian view of the future. And he points out that uh, uh, dystopian sci-fi is a little bit cliched at the moment, partly because we are living in uh, a dystopian sci-fi <laughs> world. So uh, it's quite it's so you know, there's, Star Trek will always be important because it does have that really you know powerful message of of, uh, of hope and tolerance and equality and, and, and peace and thinking our way out of our problems and uh, and and so it's it's. It's, yeah, it is great to see that kind of continued. And that's kind of one of the things exciting about Captain Picard because he is kind of like the exemplar of that. Mm. So it's good to see that character coming back. And we didn't tell us much about the details of the show because they're still kind of keeping it They're still working it out as far as we can tell. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that uh, that show coming up soon. But you will be able to get Discovery Season 1 on Blu-ray uh, this month, in fact. Oh. And Season 2 will be back in January. So look out for that. I'm a big fan of Discovery, actually. I wasn't sure about it at first. But uh, it kind of, it, it, I realized what they were trying to do, and I thought it was really good by the end. So well, I've seen no Star Trek almost <sighs> at all, with the exception I went to the premiere of, is it Into Darkness? Really? The, the one with. Um, That's the worst one. Is it? Is yeah. it the one that had cucumber patch in it? Yeah. Is yeah. the, the baddie? You, you were there for the worst one. Well yeah, done. Okay, great. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, going back to something you said before, yep. is, is that really the case that. Um, uh, What's his? Uh, come on, Michael Shaman. No, 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 Who no. Uh, Patrick Stewart. Uh, no. Who are we talking about? The, uh, the other I don't know. actor. I don't know what's happening. The <laughs> other actor who, who played Bane in Batman. Oh, Tom Hardy. Yes, yeah. Tom Hardy played young. He did. He played. Uh, so you may remember the movie Star Trek Nemesis, uh, the other worst one of all the worst ones out of the worst Star Treks. Uh, it was the. Uh, it was like the most action-oriented Star Trek The Next Generation movie, and it wasn't that great. But he played a young Romulan clone of Captain Picard. It was one of his first major roles, and he was very, very good in it. So they're suggesting that 
uh, Tom Hardy is going to grow up into Patrick Stewart. Maybe. Like, that's who he becomes. Maybe, maybe. I'm yeah. not sure that's the maybe. case. He might, have, might have slim down a little bit. I think he might have had a nose. I think he might have had a false nose, you know, because Tom Hardy, he usually likes to put on a voice. But I think in this one, he put on a nose. Um, was there anything else you need no, to No, that's it. Uh, Outlaw King is on Netflix tomorrow. I think we talked about that the other week. It wants to be like Braveheart. Uh, it's not quite as good as Braveheart. Some of it is, some of it isn't. It's Scottish. It's, very, it's, it's incredibly Scottish. It it's it's Chris, in Chris it. Pine, Captain Kirk from the, uh, the rebooted Star Trek movies, uh, being, uh, being Scottish. He's being Scotty in this is one. Is he Scottish? He's not Scottish. He is from like... I don't know, Omaha or Ohio or They couldn't have just got a a Scottish actor. Scotland Uh, is so lacking in actors, apparently they had to bring in an American. Well, this is the thing. It's a lot like Braveheart in that it's the uh, the famous American guy. uh, Well, Mel Gibson was a famous Australian guy, but it's the famous American guy playing the king and then every other Scottish actor ever. Like, you will recognize every single person in it from, like, you know, all, all the telly, prime suspects, oh. and like that's a prime suspect. That's, uh, <laughs> Taggart, uh, yeah, Taggart, other, uh, yeah, Bergerac, and other uh, relevant contemporary, timely mm. pop culture references. How do you do, fellow kids? Uh, <laughs> As I like how Father Ted used every single Irish comedian. Like if you were an Irish comedian on the circuit and you hadn't appeared in Father in Ted, Ted yeah. you were obviously what were you really doing? like what had gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of like all the Scottish guys are in it. Um, it's it's kind of fun. It's uh, it's just like the new Braveheart. It's uh, um, yeah, without so it's, it's like, we needed a new Braveheart because that's, that's the thing. Right yeah, now. because because we can't really enjoy Mel Gibson anymore. So uh, yeah, this is like the Braveheart that it's you're allowed to like. Maybe that's why Netflix did it. Maybe that's what it is. Probably Maybe, they yeah. wanted to buy Net- Braveheart. They were like, mm, <laughs> don't I just don't think it's worth the yeah. licensing deal. Let's just make our own. That's just yeah, much easier. Yeah, yeah, probably even better. I mean, if you like if you if you like Scotland, you're a big fan of the Scottish Highlands, aren't you? And you I it love looks, Scotland. It looks lovely. There's lots of there's lots of locks. Yeah, but I just tend to go there and, and enjoy it. I don't need to sit at home watching it. I can just go. So it's only tw- it's only like a twelve hour drive from here. It's dead <laughs> easy. Yeah, cool. Easy to do. Cool, Rich. I think that probably brings us to a close. I hope, um, hope so. That where time. can people find you online? Oh, you know, around the usual. <laughs> uh, Rich Nightwell at, you know, on Twitter. On Twitter, cool. Yeah. You can find me with at Battery HQ on Twitter and Instagram, of course. Mm. Uh, and you can find CNET with at CNET on pretty much all channels. Or you can email the show directly with C. Uh, it, what is it? <laughs> CNET UK podcast at cbsi.com. CNET UK podcast at cbsi.com. You can find us on Flipboard as well. We talked about that a little bit earlier. And you can find us on there. It's very exciting. Really? Yep. Yeah, we're all over Flipboard. That's it. Is Flipboard, that you Snapchat. Have, what, you follow people on Flipboard? No. <laughs> Some people might. I don't know. No, uh, I, I'm going to get, get an iPad Pro and then uh, then maybe... Uh, then, then okay, maybe yeah, we'll, we'll figure this one out. Maybe by next episode we'll have got our act together, but <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>